0: Hello and welcome to the Project Good Podcast. This is a social impact podcast, interviewing experts and advocates about the pressing problems that we face globally and hearing how they suggest we move forward in the future. The Project Good Podcast is brought to you by Project Good Work. The goal of this podcast is to inspire people and organizations to develop a mindset that can move others to positive action regarding the complex social issues facing people and the planet. For February, we're going to focus on examine, Race through motherhood in 2021. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Tomi Akatunde, the founder editor in chief of Mother Mia, an online media community that is the number one trusted destination for thoughtful, high quality content that celebrates, supports, and empowers Black moms and Black women on their journey to motherhood. As someone who regularly interacts with Black mothers, I thought Miss. Akatunde's perspective to give a new insight into race through a perspective many of us can relate to, motherhood. Let's get into the interview. Well, first, let me introduce our guest, Tome Akatunde, who is an award-winning journalist, content creator, and founder of the online media community Modern Mia, which helps Black moms thrive as they navigate motherhood, life, and careers. Ms. Akatunde is passionate about celebrating Black motherhood, building a community for Black mothers, and providing a safe place for Black mothers to be themselves. Welcome, Tony.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Right. Um, so I'm so glad and so, so excited to, um, to uh, speak with you. And um, as we were talking a little bit offline, um, I've been reading uh, your uh, stories and articles and the different interviews that you have done um, on moms since uh, 2016, before I was a mom. So, um, you know, you motivated me that uh, I could do it. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody has asked you this before. Um, But uh, just for people who are not familiar um, with uh, Modern Mia, I wanted to uh, ask you why you decided to start Modern Mia. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. So I started the site in 2012 when everyone was talking about leaning in and can women have it all? And at the time I was in my mid 20s, I was kind of in a career that. You know, you're trying to think about how the corporate ladder works, what does my life look like? And so I was really interested in these conversations and did not see women who look like me being asked those questions about work-life balance, um, having it all. And the women that were being asked to speak about those topics were at the tippity top of the corporate ladder had busted through glass ceilings had resources um that the average mom regardless of race don't have access to so that's pretty much what inspired the beginning of the of the website i wanted to have conversations with women who look like me Um, to see how they do it. And in a way that was honest and transparent, Uh, I think a lot of content just glosses over the difficulties of career and life and marriage and pregnancy and parenting. Um, You just see the pretty picture. And the beginning of Modern Maya was really focused on no, but how how did you do this? <laughs> like we're sitting in your apartment and we are you know aware of who you are because of how awesome your job title is., uh, but I know that there was some work that happened behind the scenes, um, and that's still happening um, so yeah, that's that's how it started um, so I guess, um.
0: Uh, one of the things, and this is I'm going a little bit, I, I know I'd seen an interview with you before, is that um, I know that you had uh, talked about getting into, I guess what they would call the real real with, with the moms, Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is which is different. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's one thing I think that uh, uh, for me, that makes your community like stand out. Thank you. Um. So, uh, and then also I, I noticed that you recently did a uh, relaunch. I wanted to make sure that I, I mentioned that before we uh, jump into so much details. And um, just for, cause I would really love uh, more and more people to uh, find out all the wonderful things that you're doing. Um, oh, thank you. Can you uh, tell a little bit about um, uh, what's new in your community?
1: Yeah. So I think, when I started Modern Maya, it was kind of pre-influencer as we know it, so there weren't a lot of spaces that were creating beautiful imagery around Black mothers and Black children and families. Um, so that was the unique value proposition of Modern Maya at the time. It was, I won't say the only, because I don't want to down other people's work um, that I'm not aware of of the at that time but it was one of the few places you could go to to see beautiful editorial quality photography. Um, And not to brag, because I was doing all the writing at the time, but some pretty amazing uh, journalism and uh, profile writing focused on Black women and uh, their families. And over the years with the rise of influencers and um, people as personality and brand, you, you don't have to go far to see beautiful pictures of Black women and their families. And you don't have to go far to um, see Black moms talking about their juggle of uh, managing work and life and mothering. So I was trying to figure out what are the things that really set Madermea apart from the these conversations. And what I recognized was that the Madermea community was really invested in conversations around intentional parenting, Mindful parenting, conscientious parenting, ending generational trauma through their own um parenting tactics. And so it was it was a choice to bring that more to the forefront. How can we uh, talk about generational trauma, ending these cycles that you know, exist in every everyone's family and get support necessary. That, you know, in some cases, when you go into these spaces that are focused on intentional or conscientious parenting, you might not see a lot of black people in that space. It may make you think that these are conversations that aren't happening in our community, but they are. And you want to be in a space with people who are affirming your choices as a mother who aren't saying things like, Oh, we don't do that. That's what white people do. It's like, no, (laughs) it's, it's not a race specific um, consideration just because the um, spaces that exist for it don't center the stories or voices of non- white families, does not mean that other races aren't just committed to intentional parenting as as we are? So the new focus of Modern Maya, it's still what I call Black Mom Google. If you have a question about, you know, who is making music for Black kids or who is um, creating Black dolls that affirm your kids' uh, beauty, you're still gonna find that on Modern Maya, but there's gonna be more content that's focused on intentional parenting and also self-mothering, addressing some inner child stuff that comes up when you become a mother, because it's like, oh, I have this new life. It's making me think about the way I was parented. Some stuff is coming up. I I wanna deal with that so that it doesn't show up in my parenting in a way that, you know, continues. Some some cycles that I'm not really happy about. So yeah, that's what the
0: relaunch is all about. And wonderful, and yeah, and that is so true as a parent. It is like uh, all of a sudden you have a a, a mini mirror.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and so everything <laughs> that
0: you thought that uh, you had you had taken care of in life, it you didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess um sort of uh one of the things that um is uh I think a question that. Uh, would come up uh, from uh, like a general public, what would you say is uh, what makes being a Black
1: mother different than being a white mother? Oh, I think about this conversation I had with Dr. Stacey Patton, who is a children's advocate and wrote a book about the use of corporal punishment in the Black community. And something that she said that just, sticks with me every time I think about this question, is that what would Black parenting look like without the specter of white violence? What would Black parenting look like without the the knowledge of white supremacy's effect on every aspect of just everybody's life? Um And, In the book, she said something to the effect that like black families, black children were not their mothers until quite recently. Like it is a recent phenomenon, you know, with the history of America and enslavement, black people were chattel, black people were not seen as people, they were seen as property and so the children that were being born were equipment they they were not afforded humanity um then you get into reconstruction you have the sharecropping system where you know you're you're having children um to to work a farm um and you have the fear of jim crow and racialized violence. And there's just so much, uh, it's just, it's hard to separate your experience as a parent in this country with the understanding that white supremacy is in the educational system. And, it's why black children are disciplined more frequently than their white counterparts for making the same you know mistakes or um viewed as being disruptive when someone else might be viewed as free spirited or high high energy um it's read as disrespectful or you know um violent uh yeah, it, it's just always having that kind of double consciousness that like your child is not seen as a child in in this system. Um, I was speaking to a friend recently who does a lot of work in uh, addressing police violence and offering support to families who are affected by police violence. And she told me a story of a Black boy who was shot in Mississippi. Thankfully, he survived the shooting, but he was 14 years old, and the police officer identified him as a man. And it's it's the same thing that happened with Tamir Rice, 12 years old, playing with a toy gun in a park. I do not believe that a white boy would be killed uh, for playing with a toy gun in a park. I. Don't think that's a stretch to even say, given what we saw with the insurrection and the way that, you know, uh, it's just, it's... I say that Black people are America's most foremost historians because this history, this knowledge is at the forefront of all the choices you make as a mother. So while you have the same concerns of like, is my baby developing? Like what school should I choose? you know, are they hitting milestones? There's, everyone has those questions. All all good moms think about that stuff. But then there's an added layer of um, racialized trauma from uh, being in a white supremacist country uh, that, you know, just, it, it adds another layer to parenting that I know Black moms wish they didn't have to think about, but they don't have that luxury. They don't have that privilege. I I wish you know a site like um Modern Maya could just be about um <laughs> you know what, what diaper bag to pick and stuff <laughs> like that but there's other things to to think about as well yeah, that's
0: uh, true um I guess one of the things that I um well I guess uh now I guess that um uh I guess that we are looking at um, motherhood, I think, in, in all races, in fact, because of, uh, you know, what has happened with the pandemic and um, with the school system and everything like that. Um, and obviously what happened with the uh, race riots. One of the things that, you know, kept getting asked to me on the street is like, do black mothers need to be um, this vigilant? Like, really, like, you know, can't they just relax? Like, why? Why, you know? Um, like everybody always comes back, like, why do Black mothers, um, you know, have to be so, so tough? Um, Do you think that, uh, do you think that um, Black mothers are are being too, uh, too rigid? Or do you think that um, this kind of vigilance is needed? Do you think it's going to, I guess, um, I guess what I'm trying to get at, do you think it's going to backfire
1: in a way? Um, I think that vigilance is a learned response. So if we didn't need to be vigilant, we wouldn't have to be vigilant. It wouldn't be something that we have passed down as a survival tactic um, for for generations. So I think that vigilance is, is necessary. Um, I think that something that comes with this new um, model of intentional parenting that is being cultivated with millennial parents and like when Gen Z become parents um and and so on and so forth it's just like the thing that i constantly think about is how do you make black children aware of the realities of existing in a white supremacist society um without clipping their wings without creating a chip on their shoulder um and and those are i feel like two different conversations i know you're going to ask about that um later but i, I do think the the vigilance is is necessary i think the people that ask those questions um it's like a willfully ignorant thing to 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 ask um because we're vigilant about you know putting uh plastic plugs up so that our kids don't stick forks into um you know into sockets and we have baby gates up and we know bad things can happen and so we actively have an entire cottage industry to protect babies from um harming themselves and yet you're you're watching the same news I am um for the most part and you're seeing black children being killed black people being killed with with impunity um you're seeing stories of like Um, police officers and law enforcement figures in schools harming children, Black children more often than not. Um, there was that story in Florida of a six-year-old who was arrested for having a tantrum. Like, how can you see those, those stories, those headlines and ask if like, vigilance isn't necessary? It it just, it, I I find it to be people holding on to this idea of a post-racial society and feeling like, oh, we should be past that by now. And it's like, if we were past it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't still be, on our television screens and on our, um, on our phones. And yeah,
0: I guess uh, going on that, as um, the the big thing is, you know, you you saw in the media and everybody saw in the media, is everybody wants to think that, uh, <clears throat> I guess you would say they want to think that they they don't have any racial problems. <laughs> right <laughs> um and so and then the people who supposedly do everybody says go get educated that's what I at least what I saw on my social media but mm-hmm. I don't know um this this is just a, a kind of a, a personal opinion but are books really the answer do people really need to go online? do they need to read more um I I question if that's really the answer. Um, yeah, because I feel like, um, you wouldn't, you you wouldn't, this is, this is kind of a, a lesson, I guess, that you would, uh, learn with your parents, like treat everyone the golden rule, right? Mm-hmm. And so is it, do you think that we have to educate people still?
1: And just to make sure that I understand the we, when you say we, do you mean black people?
0: Um, I think it's, uh, black people or people that I guess they could consider themselves non-racist. like um, Because mm-hmm. even in this case, the difference, I think, um, in this experience versus, you know, um, during uh, uh, previous times is that uh, people from other races got involved um, in, mm-hmm. uh, I guess you would say, in a, in a passionate way. And everybody yeah. was saying, like, go get educated, read your books you know, learn Black history, um, yeah. uh, you know, or learn about uh, this, you know, uh, American, uh, what has happened.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, I. you know, this is just something yeah. that has always come up to me is that, you know, why don't we just think to stick with the golden rule? Do we really do we really think that books are going to, um, you know, make that change?
1: Uh, no. So... <laughs> Um, I, I went to a majority black elementary, middle, and high school. Um, I'm from Kansas city, Missouri originally. And I, in my, uh, high school, we had a mandatory black history classes, uh, or a black history class. And I always felt once I, 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 um, left my high school and, and went to, college, which were um, predominantly white institutions that I went to, I always felt like the white kids I went to school with were just more knowledgeable because of the Black history class. But the older that I got, the more I realized that it had everything to do with the fact that they were socialized around Black people and that they had Black people as friends and that Black a Black person wasn't... Um, a stereotype for them or a um, a theoretical idea. Um, a black person wasn't just like, oh, I've seen that on TV or, oh, I've seen that on TikTok. Like they knew black people. And so I think this rush to like buy books is like uh super capitalist, like, oh, let me just buy a problem uh, <laughs> or buy a, uh, buy a solution. Um, these books rocketed to the top of uh New York times bestseller list, but like we're still having the same conversations that we did pre George Floyd. Um, you know, the, uh, the um, margins in which the Democrats are uh, in power are very, very slim. Like if it were that easy, it would, it would have been, fixed by now. So I think that there is a level of education that's, that's necessary. Um, but I, I don't think everyone applies the golden rule the same way. Um, if it is treat others as you would like to be treated, but you still have this like very American idea of, um, you know pull yourself up by the bootstraps and we all have the same choices and opportunities and like it, it, it that's where the education comes in that's where the the um it's necessary to understand redlining and um housing covenants and loan uh, um rates and you know all those things that that would be helpful to understand but i mean i i think that even in the educational system, I was just talking about this with um, someone, how I used to work in textbook publishing and um, Texas is the biggest buyer of, or at least at the time when I was in textbook publishing, Texas was the biggest purchaser of textbooks. And so a lot of people wrote books to fit their standards and their standards were I have the mouth of a sailor and I, I I don't, I didn't ask if it was okay to swear, but like (laughs) their, (laughs) their, um, their standards are, are really problematic (laughs) to put it lightly. And so there's just so many ways that like the lie, um, and the, the fragility of whiteness is prioritized over actually dealing with racism and, a big part of that is just the socialization element. Like I have been in so many weddings where I was the only black bridesmaid or, you know, I've been to um, so many like parties and events where I'm the only black person. Um, And there's just like a level of um, discomfort that people have with, you know, actually diversifying their life um, and and reckoning with what it means that they live in a predominantly white neighborhood and send their kids to predominantly white schools and kind of balk at the idea of putting their kids in a, a, a public school system that would have them in the minority. Like they can, they can understand all these concepts in a book but when you actually ask people to make um choices that reflect these politics that they agree with it's like oh actually (laughs) so how about white fragility like can i does that count as doing the work (laughs) um so i read the book Yes. (laughs) yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly it's yeah
0: um I guess uh, one of the things, the the biggest impact, I think all of this uh, upheaval of 2020 um, um, caused, and it's uh, so, uh, I guess, eye-opening and ironic that it was the year 2020. (laughs) We got to see real, we really got to see who we were (laughs) in so many ways. Um, And obviously, as uh, you were mentioning before, the thing about, uh, you know, once you become a parent, Um, And now you have this uh, child, you are, uh, you know, doing a reflection. It's a mirror, right? Mm -hmm. So then now we have, uh, you know, shown our uh, cards out there, of like, uh, you know, what what conflicts are happening here in the U.S. and I would say around the world. Um, Mm -hmm. So what kind of uh, tools or how should parents talk to their kids about um, race and um, like, what should they
1: do? Man, oh man, oh man, oh band. Uh, <laughs> I know that's a tough. That's a tough question. <laughs> well, it's also a reminder for me because I have an article that I've been sitting on that addresses this this question. So every time I get asked this question, it's like ah, oh, I gotta gotta go edit that piece <laughs> and get it up on the website. Um, so I interviewed uh, three sociologists about this question. Um, based on a study that um one of the professors did that found black teenagers experienced five different instances of um racist harassment uh in their um in their day-to-day and I spoke to um, a professor who oh gosh I need to look up her name um because it's it's just important. So important, the work that she's doing. Um, Her name's Rihanna Elise Anderson, and she has a program called embrace that teaches parents how to have conversation, black parents, how to have conversations with their kids about race and uh, the biggest takeaway that I took from these conversations is that parents have to understand their own relationship with race and have that inform the way they talk to their kids. Um, when you've had traumatic experiences revolving around race and you've had experiences that you were never allowed to really process, because I can speak from personal experience, um, my social circle is predominantly white because of the um the uh, my college social circle the friends that i made from college are mostly white and um that meant that the people that i met in my early 20s were were also mostly white um and so there were so many things that happened because what i was taught growing up was that you have to be two times better to get half as much And there was like a lot of infantilization around white people's feelings because of that fragility. It was like, oh, you know, being uncomfortable. White people say crazy stuff all the time. White people say racist stuff all the time. (laughs) And you just have to like suck it up because if you want to be in the room, to get half as much by working twice as hard, you're gonna be the only one a lot of the times and you don't wanna rock the boat, be a model minority, a lot of respectability politics stuff. Um. So there's a lot of stuff that happened that I'm just now telling people like, hey, freshman year, you said this thing that really upset me. And as a parent getting ready to talk to your kids about race, like you have to process that stuff first um because it's it's the difference between preparing them in a way that gives them their humanity versus creating a chip on their shoulder and um speaking in maxims like all white people do this all black people do this um it's it's really important to do that processing work yourself um and then Something else that came up in some in some research and conversations I've had is just like making the distinction between race and racism. Um, there's a tendency to conflate the two. Like we can talk about being Black and that does not mean that we need to have a Negro spiritual plane in the background and like, you know, this really negative um, kind of, you, you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> like Yes,
0: yes. This, yeah. this Black
1: History Month version of Blackness where it was like, you know, enslavement and Jim Crow and everything's terrible and we're being killed. And um, you can talk about race in a way that's celebratory, um, in a way that, you know, oh, look how like fly we are. Look how we are culture shapers and this is happening and that is happening and look at our magic, look what we do um, to counteract the the experience of racism. That is very negative, that is very ugly, that makes you feel yucky on the inside. So when I was growing up, I started reading really early and I um, would read Jet, my parents' old jet magazines and, um, Ebony and the KKK was my boogeyman. Like I knew those stories and I knew the kind of like racist traumatic stuff that was happening in this country. And that's what I knew about blackness. I did not know, you know, the, the fun stuff, the things we're celebrating, the things that would make me proud to be black. I knew that people would not like me because of the color of my skin, but I didn't know that the color of my skin was okay. There was nothing wrong with that. And so I think a big part of talking to you, and this is specifically for black parents, um, a big part of talking about race versus racism is making that distinction, processing your own feelings about race and racism so that you don't unintentionally pass on that kind of, um trauma your own trauma to your kids so that they can have their own experiences separate from the ones that you've had um i think it's being a safe space for your kids to come to you to say like oh you know someone said that they didn't want to play with me today because i'm brown and instead of being like you know up <laughs> like let me get my <laughs> let me get my shoes let me like go um go over to that school and talk to some people It's like, oh, well, how did that make you feel? Oh, okay. I like, and, and why, why do you feel that way? Right. Well, what they said was wrong. And, you know, like being, being able to address your kids' feelings first and then pointing out like, you know, that that might help. And sometimes sometimes people feel this way about people who look like us, but we are not the problem. They're the problem. Their ignorance is the problem. And what can you do to feel good about yourself if that happens again? And, you know, kind of advocating for your kids by teaching them how to advocate for themselves too so still like yes get your shoes on get ready to go to the school but also <laughs> uh-huh. take care of um of your kids uh feelings in that in that moment so that's for black parents and then the quick thing I would say for anyone else which I hate this because I was just thinking about the the amount of violence that, Uh, folks in the Asian community are experiencing right now because of the former occupant in the White House. And (laughs) um, all of that is just like racism and is, is not just a black and white issue. And so often in this country, it becomes a black and white issue. Um, But kids notice the differences in race very, very quickly. Like it, it is a natural um, human response to be like, oh, this person looks different than me. Um, and instead of shaming a child for noticing those differences, um, or saying it's too early for us to talk about that, we can't talk about that. Um, that's, that colorblindness is really harmful because instead of, um, expressing the reality of the world, you're setting your kids up to believe that we're all the same and we're not. Thank God we're not, (laughs) Like that would be really boring. Um, But by having this language that like, oh, everyone's the same, well, then I have the same opportunities and everyone's the same, why is this person um, complaining? I don't really empathize with what they're saying. I don't agree with their pain um, because we're all the same and I don't see color.
0: So, yeah, agree with that uh, the color blindness i um, you know it's it's funny when I was a kid, like uh, I went to a predominantly um white school, I think like um maybe there were twenty black kids out of four thousand.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, so
0: you know, color blindness was was pushed, right, mm-hmm. but then as uh when I um later grew up, I was like, well, well why why are we afraid to see color?"
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah you know um i guess this uh, this leads then to the question of like um because of you know um uh if we are going to start um seeing people for who they are um Mm -hmm. how can uh, black mothers um advocate for inclusivity in motherhood because when i was a mom uh, just starting out or just uh, uh pregnant um you know everything um uh seemed so uh uh, white, Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I feel I had a hard time thinking about an answer for this question just because it's like, yes, inclusivity matters. Um, when I think about these spaces, I think about who is in the masthead. Who um is on the payroll? There's no diversity in in the people who exist on in their in their companies, and then even more than that, um, when they think of, and again, I'm I'm focusing on on black motherhood because that's just like my area of genius mm-hmm. <laughs> and my wheelhouse, and and I'm a black woman, I can't speak to uh, other races' experiences of motherhood. But you should see my inbox right now, like February. All these people are coming in my inbox like, hey, it's Black History Month. Can you talk about how awful it is to be a Black mom? Can you talk about like slavery and, you know, how hard it is? And, you know, there's this narrative around what Black motherhood is or, Oh, someone got shot. Let's let's go over to Modernea. Let's uh see what they what they have to say about it. It's just like this very limiting idea of what black moms think about because as I mentioned earlier, we do have this double consciousness, but we're just as like interested in conversations around like cute kids clothes and, you know, my kid um, said this thing and it makes me feel this way. Like we're not constantly, you know, (laughs) grieving. Um, And, and yeah, I I just feel like (sighs) I don't know if it's our job to advocate for inclusivity. I think that's what I'm trying. I, I'm trying to get at like that should be something that these um, spaces want to do. Um, there are so many people out there uh, who could write about the experience of them, their motherhood journeys, their experiences as mothers that would resonate with anybody. Um, Modern Maya is explicitly stated to be a space for Black moms by Black moms but I have so many people of different races who identify with the storytelling and the richness of the um, community's experience and the sharing that happens in the community, the vulnerability, the honesty. I think um, that kind of uh, um, storytelling appeals to people regardless of race and I wish that like, people in these spaces didn't think of motherhood as being synonymous with their with white women. Um, even speaking, I, I just realized I'm like super heteronormative with the conversations I have around motherhood on Modern Maya. I'm someone who is dealing with infertility and that's not something that I talk about a lot on the site um, and that's something that I should change. There are gender non-conforming parents who are, you know, trying to figure out how to have their own families and um, how, yeah, just just how to, to parent. And those are all conversations that these places that have way more resources than I do should be interested in. Um, and what's happened is that because they aren't until there's a, you know, a reason to put up a black square or you know something is in the news stream that makes them feel um like it's it's the right thing to be woke, uh that's when they care. But because they didn't care before, places like Modermea exist, uh places like uh Latino parent or Latinx parenting, sorry, exist. Uh Parenting is political. There, there are spaces that exist now because those spaces have refused to see the full spectrum reality of of motherhood and parenting. And so, I guess even from, uh, I want to kind of talk about
0: expectations um, of black motherhood from, uh, even from the black community's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say that um. Uh, I'm going to just go for Black women um, mm-hmm. at this at this moment of what they yeah. um, expect around motherhood.
1: So I think, and just to make sure that I, I'm sure I understand the question, the, the question is like, what do Black moms expect about Black motherhood? Correct. Okay. Um, so when I first started in Modern Maya, when you Googled Black moms are... Google would um auto-populate, black moms are single. Black mom, and there's nothing wrong with being a single mother, but it was associated with the stigma of being a black single mom, which was synonymous with welfare queen, drain on society, um, you know, uh, super predator kids. Like all those negative images were associated with black motherhood. Um, Black moms are abusive, Black moms are the worst. So now when you Google Black moms, Black mothers, the conversation is around the Black maternal mortality crisis and the fact that Black women are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth compared to their white counterparts. Um, And so there is a lot of negativity around the expectation of Black motherhood. If you become pregnant and you go and look for support for Black moms and you don't find Madermeya immediately, <laughs> a lot <laughs> of the stuff that you see is this is this disempowering storytelling around the Black mom experience. And a lot of women that I follow and interact with they don't want that to be their story. Um, they don't want that to be the stuff that they see. So they actively do not engage with um, with that form of of storytelling. They're they're they want to see happy black families. They want to see, you know, hashtag black love, cute kids, like silly kids, bus it challenge, TikTok dancing, like having fun, reading, yes. laughter, <laughs> they want. Like, because that's what it is. It, it Like that is, you know, we exist on a spectrum. And I think more often than not, the stuff that happens most of the time is the like cuddles and kisses and laughter and fun and silliness. All the like fun, warm and fuzzy stuff is, is what Black moms expect of becoming a mother. Um, it's just when they're confronted with the realities that sometimes happen in a system that does not see them as mothers, do not see their children as children, that's when you know the, the switch flips and now you want to have conversations around, maternal mortality and infant mortality and medical bias and um you know racism that's when you want to have that kind of um those kind of conversations and get support around that but i mean if i never had to talk about racism again like that would be amazing everybody <laughs> be happy um, but you know unfortunately that's not what it is but i would say yeah the majority of what black moms expect from their motherhood is joy and happiness but they're also it's also tempered by the reality that you know something could happen because something has happened Yes. And I guess that's
0: um sort of leads to my other question of, you know, I guess, what are the you can just give me like maybe like two or three reasons why you think that black moms are not allowed to be the
1: mothers they would like to be. Um, I do a variation of this a lot, but like the short answer is racism and the <laughs> long answer is racism. <laughs> like, that's, just, that's just it. Um, I think that you know, so many of the poor health outcomes of the the wage gap of all these things that would affect someone's ability to have a thriving life is impeded by racism. So, you know, I saw something that, um, a study that found that Black women in their 40s and 50s, their Genes are seven and a half years older than the genes of white women in the same age range. And a part of that is chronic stress um and the stress of being in a racist society. Um, you know, I have asthma, like <laughs> really, really bad asthma. Um, and I live in New York and New York, Bronx, to be exact, has um, the highest instances of childhood asthma. Um, And that's because our communities are, um, they have all these highways going through that community because um, there's environmental racism where people, you know, would never think to cut through um, a suburban um, community with all this traffic and um, diesel fuel um spewing trucks and cars coming by um and so that's something that we have to deal with um even if you are someone who um is raised in a a great community with like I don't know whole foods on every corner (laughs) and like pasture-raised chicken in every pot um but you uh go into an office where, you know, you're dealing with microaggressions and the stress of that, and you find out that you are being paid way less than your counterparts, even though you have more schooling because Black women are some of the most um, or the most um educated group, um, I think according to a recent study mm-hmm. that I wish I hate when I say recent study and I like <laughs> can't remember the year. <laughs> <You> no, <know>, I, <laughs> that I, I read that. Sound...
0: I read a similar study. And, okay. Um, I'm, a, I'm a a
1: Pew research n- uh, nerd, so okay. um, yeah. So I've, I've,
0: yes, and I've read it like a a, a bunch of different places, and I was yeah. like, wow, you know. But I'm yeah. I'm not surprised. I, I noticed that mm-hmm. with uh, you know friends and. Yeah. um you know and i just see like you know uh how hard people are working out there and the people right. that are in the media and you're like oh this person like they have a phd <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah yeah and it's 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 part it's part of like the the grind mentality that comes from being told that you have to work twice as hard for half as much like where we we know what is stacked we know what is stacked against us and we we see how a potential way to work around the system to work within the system and yet you still find these these problems where you know um a friend was telling me that she found out that she was making so much less than um a coworker who was a white guy and like these are just conversations that they can they they're just so tiring like i i wish we could have a new conversation where <laughs> it was it was no longer that um you know this is how much we get paid on um we get pennies on the dollar compared to white men and you know um doctors don't believe our pain and you know i i wish that people were more interested in solving the problem than being upset about being called racist like if you fix the problem you wouldn't need to be called racist anymore (laughs) yeah we could talk about something else (laughs) this is
0: true and i guess that answers you know in a a nutshell i was going to ask you how main uh stream organizations can support black mothers but i think that answers that question
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah
0: I guess, why do you think there are so few, like, people and organizations that, you know, showcase uh, positive Black motherhood? Um,
1: I I think it's the same reason why, like, in the 90s, we had this amazing rush of, like, Black TV programming and um, all, now we don't. Um, and it's starting to come back again. Um, I think people think of it as a niche. Um, I think like once you have a, hit a certain number of Black people, people are like, oh, it's a Black thing now. Like that's not for everybody. Um, the idea of of mainstream is still very, very white. Um, and people think that by, in order to reach the most people, the people that need to be centered and focused on are white. Um and that's borne out because that's been the only option for such a long time. But you know, the uh there's a democratization of access now with the internet and people being able to to tell their own stories. And um I I think there are way more black mom blogs and and spaces that exist that came to be as a response to the lack of um diversity and inclusion in those spaces. But I, I think that a, a a simple answer is just um mainstream still equates to white in a lot of people's minds and um other people are are relegated to a certain month in the year or um, a diversity hire or, you know, yeah.
0: Well, since we've uh, went into, I want to kind of uh, uh, change it and look at maybe some of the positives <laughs> that have come out of, oh, yeah. of this. Um, I guess uh, one thing is, as we've been talking is, uh, you know, Black mothers, what I would call they experience uh, stolen motherhood.
1: And um, what do you mean by that?
0: Uh, What I mean by stolen motherhood is that they don't get to, um, you know, obviously everybody's going through the same pain of uh, childbirth, but um, getting to be uh, celebrated, like, um, you know, when you go to the grocery store, everybody's like, oh, how cute. Um, uh, Getting to uh, everybody, like, uh, talking to you kind of uh, like, I don't know that you're you're special. (laughs) Because you just, you just, you know, you just gave uh, you know birth to life. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't think uh, black mothers get to experience that um very much. Maybe you know between yeah. their own families, but not mm-hmm. out in society as general as I see for you know um other races sometimes. Yeah. Um yeah. so how would you say um how did the pandemic uh, give back to black mothers?
1: Oh man. I don't know that it that it has um in terms of like what what you're talking about in terms of celebrating black moms I think there have been these listen to black women moments that again just strip black women of um any complexity they're either it's still falling into the the mammy, Jezebel, um welfare queen like those kind of tropes are still applied when we say things like listen to black women and thank black women. It's, it's, um, when the, when the mainstream media does it, um, (laughs) it becomes like a, a very, um, there's no nuance (laughs) Mm -hmm. to why black women, um, have to step up the way that they do and, and save the day. Um, and, they're not superheroes, they're not here to to save your day and to, um, you know, <laughs> save democracy only for you <laughs> to like not care the next day and mm-hmm. um, save democracy for you to like just wag a finger at insurgents who try to, you know, take over the capital and like slap them with charges of trespassing for, you know destroying um trying to destroy uh democracy so i don't know that the pandemic has given black mothers anything i think it's continued to take um you know black moms and or black and uh latina women have had the biggest job losses because of the pandemic um the people of color are more likely to be essential workers um, and we have, this country has not taken care of um, essential workers. Um, There's not a minimum wage, um, a livable minimum wage. There uh, is not a a respect for mothers in general. Um, And I think with everything, when America gets a cough, like, you know, people of color get the flu. Um, so I I don't think the pandemic has done anything good for the um for this idea of stolen motherhood. I think, um, what I'm excited about is this bigger conversation around mental health, um, and the need to to have a therapist, to have support, to say you're not okay um, to, to admit to yourself that you're not okay and that it's okay to get support, um, that mental health is the same thing as physical health. If you're not, you know, this, this expectation that the strong black woman narrative has to apply across the board, we're not allowed to feel feelings and feel hurt or anxious or depressed. Um, I think the biggest, gift if you can call it that from the pandemic is an acknowledgement that mental health is is real and you know um it's 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 okay to not be okay i, I see more people admitting that and that's great yeah, that's that's definitely something i think
0: that it, it gave back um mm-hmm. and one thing i was uh thinking that it gave back just this is just from my perspective is that it mm-hmm. gave me a uh, gave me um time with the uh, you know my daughter probably that i wouldn't have
1: had oh yay. yeah well Was that's that... that is true that is true oh. i i have heard that oh. more time um, um but... i guess
0: uh i guess in 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 dealing with this pandemic as it is still going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um yeah. how have you seen is there has there been there there may not have be like that much of a difference because everybody's kind of in shock. Um mm-hmm. have you seen a difference with how black mothers are coping um during the pandemic versus uh, white mothers or not really?
1: Not really. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Um I think everyone is just kind of like WTF, <laughs> like kind of in a in a daze right now and just really overwhelmed and anxious. Um, I will say that I'm not in a lot of white mother spaces, but like the few that I'm in, everyone is just like, <laughs> when is, the, is there going to be a light at the end of the tunnel or is that another oncoming train? Like I just, how much longer are we supposed to be parenting and existing in this weirdo reality? Yeah. And then just as, a, I guess,
0: uh, kind of a uh, coming to a closing kind of question, um, mm-hmm. just because I think a lot uh, is uh, still to be determined on how, um, you know, I guess everybody's going to vaccination, so we'll see how all everything turns out. Yeah. Um, but um, just because this is also the name of uh, your online uh, media community, uh, mm-hmm. what does the word mother mean to you?
1: Oh, man. Um, I I used to think of it as very, like, Webster Dictionary. (laughs) Like, a mother is a person who has given birth to a child. Um, And in the course of going through my own trying-to-conceive journey and and self-mothering journey, I think being a mother is... Just being someone who is invested in the growth of other people, um, whether that be people that you, uh, you know, bear yourself, um, whether you adopt a child, um, if you're a non-bio mom, non-gestational carrier, like it is just being someone incredibly invested in someone else's growth and well-being
0: a nice answer. I like that especially cuz um you know for the parents who are become adopted parents or mm-hmm. um or uh you know they have children in other ways.
1: Yeah. 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 Um
0: so uh I guess um what would you say this is the last and final question. <laughs> um I guess uh what would you hope I guess um that uh um Black mothers um, can, uh, can gain in 2021? What kind of um, uh, insight into uh, Black motherhood through your community?
1: Oh, I I'm really excited about Mother Maya continuing to be a safe space for Black moms to be themselves um, but also to be more than somebody's mama. Um, <laughs> I my my parents are nigerian and often you refer to people by um parents by their kids name their their firstborn's name so it'll be mama tomi um baba tomi and my mom has always been very um don't call me that my name's Amelia. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Mama Tomy, I I exist. Um, I am Amelia, and you know I'm, I'm more than I'm more than a mama. Um, and I think that so many of the milestones that um, women are socialized to reach um, strip some of their identity. So like, or makes their identity wrapped up in belonging to somebody else. So again, very heteronormative thing, but like you're someone's wife and then you're someone's mom and then you don't exist anymore. <laughs> like it, it, it that's not real. Um and so what I'm really excited about is I'm working on launching a more intimate version of the Modern Maya community. That's a membership um, subscription model where you you are in community with other like-minded women who want friendship, want support, um, want to go along on this journey with other women who get them and they don't have to explain, you know, actually, you know, all lives can't matter if black lives don't matter. <laughs> or um, you know, my kid is are your are your kids like purposefully peeing even though they know how to use the bathroom because they're super stressed out about the pandemic as well or is that just me like Mm -hmm. can we can we talk about that or you know I just saw this meme it's hilarious (laughs) like you know Mm -hmm. I'm I'm really excited about community I think I was very quick with my answer about like the pandemic hasn't given anybody anything good Mm -hmm. um but that's now that you said that what you said about your you having more time with your daughter, I think the other thing the pandemic has given is just the the reminder that we need people. We can't do this by ourselves. This kind of push for a really individualized family nuclear unit hasn't done anybody any favors. You really need other people for emotional support. and i I have seen you know, as we switch to um, virtual, just this rise of conversations and and um, sister rooms and communities that have risen up to just let you not be okay with other people who aren't okay or who are like, it's Friday, but it feels like Monday. <laughs> like, what, like, am I the only one who feels that way? Like, you know, so I, I think... What I hope for Black moms in 2021 is just a deepening of community and um, being okay with not being okay and getting support until you are okay again.
0: Fantastic. Um, Well, I would like to thank you for your time and your insight. Um, It's been wonderful um, listening and learning um, about... uh, Uh, motherhood um, through the perspective of someone that gets to work with uh, lots and lots of uh, Black mothers. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess if you would like to learn more about uh, Tomi and uh, become a member of her online community, uh, you can go to uh, uh, matermia at uh, dot com. Is that the best way, I would say? Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Matermia, M-A-T-E-R- mea.com and then we're also on Instagram um, same same handle m-a-t-e-r-m-e-a
0: okay. Um, fantastic Okay, thank you so much thank you if you have a passion for an unserved community, a social justice problem, or simply want to change minds contact Project Good Work at projectgood.work to start your project of change today To our listeners, thanks for tuning in to Project Good, where we are focused on what matters.